ladies, gentlemen, and fellow other fellow humans, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the Final Frontier in Star Trek Picard, Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Lower Decks, and more. I'm co-host Cicero Holmes, and I'm joined by one other member of the Debrief Bridge crew, my personal number one, Ty Monaghan. Hey, Ty, how you doing? What's up, Cicero? How you doing? Great to be here. All right, right on. And uh, back to join us once again is the singular creator and host of the YouTube channel Trexpertise, Mr. Kyle Sullivan. Kyle, thanks for joining us again. Hola, señora. Tú sí sabes mi corazón. Ah, un beso. So, let's see. It is uh, with unfortunate sadness that the clouds couldn't be here. They had a scheduling conflict, but they will be back next week. Uh, so everyone, look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> I never saw that movie. Um, so <laughs> Does this mean um, that we can talk behind their back? Is this good? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. They're going to be uh, in they, trouble anyway. Gene uh, Roddenberry famously does not like conflicts. So yes, uh, yes, yeah. Well, uh, scheduling conflict is no different from any other <laughs> any other conflict. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so true. Um, well, uh, before we get into uh, the reason that we are here uh, in episode ninety one to talk about the season three episode of uh, Picard Dominion. Uh, let's get into our check-ins, our weekly check-ins. Ty, your DS9 rewatch. Uh, what were... What's going on with that? Oh, man, Cicero. Oh, man, Kyle. Do you guys remember <laughs> when we were recording this podcast, this very podcast that we're on right now, and you were like, oh, man, Ty. I'm so sorry about these spoilers, but like, <laughs> there's a big war with the Dominion, and like, sorry, man. Well, I think it's safe to say uh, you don't need to worry about that, guys. Uh, like this show, Picard is really bringing the uh, very specific knowledge uh, about how the Dominion War uh, happened, ended, uh, how that ending was perceived differently by both sides, which we will, we will touch on. So, uh, no worries there. Uh, in fact, my wife and I are on, we just recently finished season four of Deep Space Nine. And like, I don't know if this is going to happen, but like, we're like, we got to finish Deep Space Nine before we finish Picard. Like we got, oh my nine. God. so like it's, it's sprint time. All um, right. Yeah, we got like a few, you know, do a few episodes a day. We got like a season a week. We're going to we're going to go for it. I don't know. Um, but we just recently watched. Uh, and, oh, and also, do you remember when I was like, hey, I think this Gowron stuff is probably going to get wrapped up at the end of season four. <laughs> and you guys were just like, you yep, played a cool. cool. Yeah. I, say, I think Chris said something like, I think the runway on that's going to be longer than you're anticipating. Yep. And I was yep. like. It's the future. We don't use runways anymore. But anyway, we just watched this episode uh, called The Ship. It's like episode two of the fifth season where uh, like 
they crash. Um, it's like a bunch. It's like everybody besides uh, Kira. So it's like Odo, who is like a solid now, um, and Cisco and Dax, and they crash. And there's also, or, or no, I'm sorry, they don't crash. There's a Gem Hadar ship that has crashed, uh, right. and they uh, basically are trying to like salvage it and, and like mm. um, you know take the intelligence from it and stuff like that. And some Gem Hadar and a uh, Vorta show up. Um, and there's clearly something like in the ship that they're really interested in. Um, and I think like, it, it's just truly surreal and kind of uncanny how the show, uh, like the two shows, the Trek shows that I'm watching continue to have these parallels because what really struck me about this most recent episode is there's this wonderful scene between Cisco and the Vorta, uh, character at the end. And Cisco is just like, you know, they they finally find out that the thing uh, that the Vorta and the Jem'Hadar was like protecting was like this this changeling that was like stashed on the ship, and and like Cisco is like, if only we would have trusted each other. And you could feel throughout this episode like there's these opportunities for Cisco, and where I feel like TNG Picard would have taken these opportunities to like walk away from it, right, and to be like, okay, like you're offering to like take what you want out of the ship and even give us the ship, like. We'll take that deal. Like we're not going to stretch this out to like get some fear, like hypothetical military advantage over you in the future, right? Like we have a chance to cooperate here and now, and to like end this conflict that we are in, and like let's take that and use that as like a building block for like a bigger piece. And they don't do that. They like take the possibility of an advantage and they cling to it so tightly that like everyone ends up dead in the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and like Cisco has this like really pained, you know, like conversation about it. That was like beautiful. I, like it was a great episode. Um, but I think that like painful, just like near miss of understanding um, was just, again, just like an almost uncanny episode to watch along with the episode of Picard that we are about to discuss. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, you're yeah. A, you're a, you're riding lightning right now, man. This yeah, you really absolute are. sweet spot. You it's really a, are. <laughs> yeah, it, man. It, this is it is it is uncanny uh, how serendipitous uh, this season has been for you with with discovering more of Star Trek. Um, yeah, it's as a, it's like as I'm, it's happening. Yeah, yeah, mainlining something here. Right. Oh man, <laughs> oh, man dude, that that's such uh, a good episode too. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was great, Kyle. Um, uh, let's see you top that. What's what's your <clears> week in <throat> Trek been like? <laughs> uh, apart from avoiding a bad Voyager novel that I'm stuck in, um, <laughs> I've rewatched this episode of Picard like three times. Nice. I am feeling the. I'm feeling it. I'm just. I haven't done that to Star Trek in, in decades. It's been. It's been pretty great. Oh, um, awesome. But apart from that, I, I watched the Tetris movie on Apple TV, and I recommend that for anyone who grew up with video games. It is a wild story. Is it? Oh, so it's it's streaming on Apple TV? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a 100%. film, not a series. Okay. So it's a- right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's a film. I thought it was going to coming to theaters exclusively. So yeah, I'm I'm yeah I'm all about that. I, I'm really looking forward to that. Can I just interject with my yeah, Tetris please. story that is not related to Star Trek in any way, but is funny? I had two older brothers growing up. They had the like the Game Boy, just normal right. Game Boy, um, with with Tetris on it, and they would play it 
and they wouldn't let me see the screen and they would act like it was the most intense action packed exciting game that they had like ever played so i as the younger sibling for like probably months maybe years like was just desperate to get my hands on tetris and i finally did i was like you know probably like seven or something like you know blocks falling out of the sky i mean no (laughs) no child has ever been more disappointed by a video game Uh, did did you did you pretend that first right but did you pretend that very first time that it was great like did you try and trick yourself into thinking it was overestimating my emotional intelligence as the youngest uh, youngest of three brothers no immediate devastation this this is just falling blocks what are you even doing the whole time yeah yeah Oh man, that is great. I love your brothers for torturing you. That is amazing. Um, So, So yeah, it's really good, though, right? Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Actually, the movie is really good. It's so the story is exaggerated a little bit, but it's a really, really crazy story. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because if I turn Most... this thing on and it's just falling blocks, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are blocks in the game, but you can go from there. Right. Or in was, the movie, I mean. That was that was the movie uh, Pixels, where the oh god, blocks. yeah, that was yeah, that was that, was, that yeah. happened, and we're yeah, that on. was a thing. Yes, yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Let's move on to what I uh, my weekend track. My weekend trek has been. Uh, oh, actually, I watched an episode of Enterprise for a um, for hey. a podcast that I was doing. Which one? It was. Uh, it was season three, episode ten. Uh, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it's the episode where Soto um, Hoshi winds up using the transporter for the very first time. And uh, she thinks she's out of phase for the entire episode. And it, and then she, it turns out she was just stuck in the pattern buffer for like eight seconds. Vanishing and point. Vanishing point was the name of that, that episode. Um, it was, it was not a good episode. Um, it, yeah it i'm was, sorry i just yeah, enterprise yeah. yeah 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 it was it was not a good episode the 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 characters are great but they introduced an alien species never gave the alien species a name they were were the villains of this episode but it turns out it was just a dream and so they, so we get this whole alien species that looks cool and they speak this language and we never know who they are. We also get the appearance of Hoshi's dad in the, the only time ever in the entire series, Hoshi's dad appears and it's in this dream sequence when Captain Archer is telling uh, Hoshi's dad that she's dead, that she died in a transporter accident. It's That's... it's a bizarre episode. Yeah. Well, I hate that that happened to Hoshi. Uh, full disclosure, man, I had a big crush on her when that show was on. I hey, really lo- hey, love that character. Uh, there is yeah, the character was great. The performances were 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 great. The story just let let it all down. You know, it was great to to go back and and watch some Enterprise. But uh, yeah, uh, that was I I recorded an episode of. The podcast Random Trek, 
but yeah, it is a a podcast where they watch one random episode of Star Trek and talk about it with friends. So, um, yeah, when that comes out, I'll make sure to to link it to link us to it. So now, uh, without further ado, let's move on to our to our discussion about episode seven of Star Trek Picard, season three, Dominion. As always, our uh, episode discussion comes from the wonderful people at Wikipedia and uh, the editorialized versions of it are our own. Uh, So let's begin with the, the plot. Uh, the Titan hides amid shipwrecks in the Chintoka battle space, the site of the humiliating Federation defeat by the Dominion 26 years earlier. Geordi works against Lor's persona to pr- restore Data's dominance of the android's mind. Worf and Rafi take La Serena out on another intelligence mission. Seven tries to contact a former crewmate, a crewmate Tovak. The respondent passes Seven's first tr- trust test, but fails her second, revealing himself to be a changeling and leaving the real Tuvok's fate ambiguous. This is a bit of a smaller episode in terms of the core characters. Um, how do we feel about Ra- Worf and Rafi being off the board along with Captain Riker? Does, uh, does that tee this episode to be a bit more personal, or do you guys think it felt a little bit empty? Uh, Kyle? Um, I think that William Riker and Worf, son of Moog, son of Roshinko, missing, pushes the audience and the characters to want to go find them. Like, it feels incomplete. It provides a little layer of tension on top of everything else. I don't know about you guys. This was a tense episode. On the third rewatch, I was still feeling that it was crazy. Um, but they're missing. Provide you like you want to make that hole. The audience wants to make a hole. The characters want to make a hole, and that tension sitting there, like you feel them missing. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, what uh, What do you think, Ty? Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think it felt empty. I think it it worked well, and I think. You know, like, you don't need to have every... If you're going to do these shows with big ensemble casts, which is, like, an important part of what makes Star Trek Star Trek, you can't have everybody have a bunch of time in every episode when there's only 10 episodes in a season. That's one thing that I really love about going back and watching the older Legacy Trek shows. It's like, they really breathe, you know? Like, there's just these conversations between characters that aren't necessarily driving the conclusion of that particular episode, but they're just gradually building a relationship and like giving you a little bit of a window into those characters. And when you're trying to give Picard and Riker and Shaw and Sydney and, you know, like data slash whatever, like when you're trying to get all these people their due in every single episode, and plus you're trying to squeeze Rafi in there, it's just like, you know, it like, it can feel cramped and rushed and uh, doesn't always, I don't know, lend itself to being the most entertaining. Like I know action is like the way that these shows really lean, but you know, it doesn't need to be nonstop action. Like that doesn't always lend itself to uh, being the most entertaining episode. So I thought it really actually benefited from uh, 
you know, being a little more focused. And I think Kyle put it really well. It, it like drove the plot forward. It's not just like they were off doing something else. It was they, you know, what they were doing, um, you know, we're kind of assuming that uh, Worf's going to circle back pretty soon here, right? But like, especially with Riker, like that's an urgent situation. Like that's that's what we're doing here at this point. So uh, yeah, I thought mm-hmm. it worked really well. Yeah, like, I... Go, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Kyle. I was, I was just going to say like any good orgy, it's about taking an appropriate turn. Absolutely. <laughs> is that wrong? Uh, yeah. How, 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 yeah. How can I, how can I follow that? I don't have any keys. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with, with both of you. I think, I, I think it is important, right? Like, so we got in last week's episode, we got to see everyone in the episode mm-hmm. and, and, and like you said, Kyle, I think the fact that that the people that we came here to see are not here gives us uh, anxiety and gives us nervous energy to try and want to get them back. Right. So now we're we're leaning forward a little bit um, because there's still peril. Right. We're not just we're not just sitting with the last three episodes of of the TNG crew back together. And, you know, and they're just the further adventures of of that Enterprise crew. We we need to get them back together at some point. We need to get them together, period. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that by itself is is enough energy to keep me engaged, keep me wanting to to figure out exactly what's going on. Um, And and I think that this episode did a really good job of that uh especially right off the bat by adding uh adding a, another legacy character to the mix in the form of Tim Russ dude uh, so so yeah so this is his first appearance in canon since Endgame uh the Voyager series finale that aired in 2001 uh before talking about the changeling's imitation of Tuvok how do we feel about seeing Tim Russ in full Tuvok regalia once again, or for the first time for, for Ty, Ty, I'll, I'll go with no, you I've first. Seen, Did seen, you? I've seen Voyager. So. Oh, you have. Know, oh, okay. yeah. Tuvok is a familiar face. I was happy to okay. see it. I was like, you know, something's up though. It's too early in the episode. Like, you know, that it's going to be a short appearance one way or another. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, well, Kyle, what about what about you? Tuvok evoked some feels. He did. It's, it, as soon as you saw him, as soon as you heard his voice, like we were on yeah. seven when you heard his voice, you're like, "Is that?" Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah. It, it was the a, a lovely surprise, a lovely surprise we didn't have to have, but but got because Terry Metalis, like Santa Claus, loves us and wants us to be happy. Um. Unlike Rolaren, I think this was handled very subtly and very, like, appropriately. Like, the length of it is appropriate. Right. Like, we didn't, you know, blow a shuttlecraft up, so to speak. Or <laughs> or did we? Like, you know, that's an unresolved situation, this phone call. It's like a Zoom call gone wrong. Right. <laughs> I'm not a cat. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Tim um, Russ, he, he performed, dude. There was a... I, I missed him, but also like I'm su- this actor surprised me, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, w- because I think we've only really seen 
we've only seen Tuvok emote um, once before in Voyager. Um, and and in that sense, he was only angry. Like we've never seen him mustache twirly. We've never seen him crack a devious smile as we as we got to see eventually with this with this changeling. Um, yeah. So I, I guess let's let's talk about that, right? Like, so we don't know if. Tuvok is alive. Um, what do you guys? What do you guys make of this scene and how it played out? From you know, from showing us Tuvok to giving us a false sense of security before showing us how embedded the changelings have become. You know, so I mean, we get that point when in the first trust test where where Tuvok passes and we hear the Voyager theme again, right? So we're like, yes, we've got another. There's another person here. And then there's more. There's an, another battery of questions, and 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 then it switches. Uh, so I mean, Kyle, what what did you think of just that switch in this whole portrayal? I, I thought <clears throat> I thought it was good. I know that as soon as you see his face, given the circumstance of the story, you're as an audience member, you're wondering. So they're going to play with that, right? How much is too much subterfuge to the audience? How much is too little? I actually thought that hearing the Voyager theme was a little bit too on the nose. Like, well, well, I guess it's okay. But dude, when he when when Tim Ross gave us <laughs> the the tiniest of malevolence, not even a full smile, not even a grin, like just just a hint, it was like, damn, was that worth it? Getting to that, yeah. Tim Ross, you dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just it was perfectly played. It was perfectly played, I think. And uh, in the end, it was a, a masterful cameo. I hope Tuvok is alive. He's in a closet just off camera. I can feel it. <laughs> you know, tied up like Scooby-Doo style. Right. <laughs> Ty, uh, Ty, where is Tuvok? And, and uh, how did you feel about the changeling playing Tuvok? Yeah, I'm a little. Uh, I don't. I don't feel good about Tuvok's chances. Um, I, I totally agree with Kyle. Like the pay, the payoff was totally worth it. Like I didn't. I didn't really appreciate the whole like. I don't know. It was like some crime show where it was like ask the question, look over at like crew member holding the like <laughs> trying to lie detector. Right, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it, like I don't know what you're supposed to be assessing if seven is the one with like the specific knowledge that makes these questions work. But like, yeah, exactly. Like like Tim Russ made it made it work and made it pay off. And I like I think uh like James Bond villains need to like take notes, right? Like that's one thing I really, really like about these cha- like it's not like the Borg and it's just like whatever, we don't care about your feelings. We're gonna assimilate you. Like they care a lot about your feelings and they go to like great lengths to like manipulate you and like make you feel like horrible and like angry. You know what I mean? Like they, like they take such glee in like not just winning, but like in winning in such a way that you like beat yourself and like totally crushed your spirit in the process. And they, they just like, you know, they sit there and like Mr. Burns, like tap their fingers together. And it's like, it's like, they're, they're scary, man. Like they're good. Bad you know, guys. Now, now that you mentioned, I think my ex-girlfriend was a changeling. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, I no comment. Um, so, <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, I mean, the changelings really, it, it is, it is pretty remarkable that, uh, within, within this season of Picard, because, you know, the one thing that I, I, I keep coming back to is the fact that there are probably more people watching this season of Picard that have not seen DS9 um, and, and, or, or really anything outside of TNG and the TNG films. And then, you know, the Star Trek 2009, maybe, maybe strange new worlds, right? Like, like that's this, you know, like those are, those are your, your main, the, you know, the, the biggest, the largest majority of Star Trek fans uh, today. And I, I'm just thinking about how effectively these, these writers have m- managed to make the changelings seem believably dangerous um, for, for just the Picard viewer, right? Just the TNG viewer. Um, and, you know, and, nothing to say, right? I think you didn't have to necessarily sell me or Chris or Kyle. Um, Ty was, is discovering how, is how accurately the changelings are being portrayed in this season of Picard while he's watching um, the changelings in, in the dominion war in, uh, in DS nine. So it's, it's kudos to them because they, they are doing, something really, really well that was, was done extremely well over the course of a season and a half, two seasons during the Dominion War with the, with the Changelings infiltrating uh, Starfleet the way they did then. Oh, um, yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, they're kind of completing the mission now. Yeah, as a Star Trek villain, like, you could just drop, name drop them, and they come with a whole suite of, you know, threats and, like, I think this season of Picard, like, I don't think you had to have seen DS9. The backstory kind of gets filled in a little bit. Like, you understand there's a war, there's a, a very subtle piece. And just the fact that they can shapeshift is enough to sell the point, you know? Poor Tuvok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully hopefully we will find out uh, his, or at least his whereabouts um, and, you know, what happened to him before this season ends. But let's uh, move on with some more of the plot. Uh, Picard, surmising that the changelings are using his corpse to target Starfleet's anniversary festivities, devises and enacts a plan to trap Vatic and her crew on the Titan with force fields using Jack, who is developing tele- telepathy or telepathy, as some people call it, <coughs> and Sydney as bait. <laughs> After a brief fight uh, that brings Vatic and some of her thugs aboard the Titan, the plan works and Vatic is trapped in a force field. Uh, Jack is sure getting a lot of unexpected new abilities, including, apparently, telepathy. <laughs> is Jack becoming the rule Goldberg machine for this show's plot? Uh, Ty, let me start with you. Uh, yeah, the pacing was all messed up. Like, well, you know, you can't just give your characters all their abilities in, in one shot. You know, you gotta, like, lead up to that. It just, it was just, like, confusing, right? Like, he could, I, I was like, oh, why are we hearing Sydney's thoughts? And then I was kind of relieved. I was like, okay, there's actually, like, a plot reason. Like, that's not just some weird stylistic choice. 
But then, like, <laughs> the controlling, like, controlling or guiding or whatever, like, kind of, like, shadow fighting with her thing, like, I mean, I don't, like, hate that as an idea. Like, it was kind of, like, cool to watch, but it was just sort of, like, whoa, like, where did this come? Like, it was just so much at once. And, like, the other thing I just have to say that drove me a little bit crazy, like, I hate to be that guy, but it was just kind of the turn of Jordy from, like, no, I don't want you doing anything. Like, I want you to come home and, like, not be involved to, like, oh, yeah, you can run off to, like, uh, you know, the space junkyard with, like, the guy that the bounty hunters are after that caused all of this alone and steal a cloaking device. And then you can, like, be the rabbit along with him that, like, lures these, like, gun-toting bird changelings or whatever they are that make clicking noises like you know what i mean like it was just like holy cow like you were so protective and now all this like this plan is like hyper dangerous for them like any plan where the bad guy if they just like decided to like shoot at you the plan would be ruined like i don't feel like it's a super sound plan like it was exciting but i was just kind of like whoa there's like no i don't know about this plan uh (laughs) <laughs> well well said well put kyle uh how how did you feel about the play i well i disagree with ty largely but when <laughs> vatic shows up on the ship and then jack shows up in the same corridor i feel that i feel exactly what you're talking about ty like like no way that would have gone down the way everyone expected it like if I were Vatic, I would have shot him, you know, in the knee or something, you know, just like I, there he is. I'm done. Let's go in the story, you know, and it also uh, seemed very obviously a trap at that point. Right. Yes. Right. Well, right. it should have seemed that way, but changelings are different. I mean, maybe she doesn't Creatures. care. She obviously doesn't value the lives of these, you know, but yeah, it was, but she wants like, Jack, <laughs> you know, why risk it? She had a crew member tell her that it's probably a trap. And she said, we're going anyway. And then Jack just shows up in the corridor conveniently. I don't know. But yeah. uh, I, I believe Sydney taking point because, like, she had that fight with her father. And if I were her, I wouldn't tell him I was doing, you know, some shenanigans in the corridors. Maybe that's how that went down. I don't know. Um, but as far as, like, Jack's abilities, man, I, I think they're doing that pretty well. I think that he, whatever he is, he's in the process of developing. And we get to experience it with him. And I don't know how else you could have played that, you know, like I, in the, in the, in the turbo lift, when you heard Sidney LaForge's thoughts, it was clearly him. Something was happening to him. I still don't know what it is. Is he, is he Paul Wraith? Is this how a Paul Wraith possession develops? I don't know. I, I trust Metallus to tell us what's going on, but I'm as clueless as anybody these abilities don't mix together traditionally in track unless you're like what uh, Kirk's friend, Gary, what's what, what it's, what's his face. Uh, Gary, Mitchell. Uh, Gary Mitchell. Maybe he had all this stuff. I don't know. All silver eyes. <laughs> well, yeah. I, when in the turbo lift, the, 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 like the questioning, the mind, the mind reading there, Made me feel like uh, Superman seventy nine. I thought you know there was some Lois Lane, you know uh, the the uh, Superman date flying date uh, stuff going on there. But uh, I guess I guess that's not what it was. Um, it it turns out that it was Jack's new 
new latent abilities. Uh, I, I'm I'm along for the ride. I I, I do see what Ty's saying. Um, I guess for me, the verdict will the verdict's still out, and you know I won't be able to render my verdict until we find out the reasoning for those for those uh, powers and what what other abilities he has. Um, and, and then we'll, you know, I guess then retroactively, I'll be able to say that was, that it made sense or it was really dumb. Um, but, you know, but I, 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 he, I guess to the question, is he the Rube Goldberg machine, right? <clears throat> for, for this episode? Um, uh, maybe but maybe not like i don't know because how else were they going to get out of that situation if if jack didn't have those abilities how would have sydney how would sydney have survived that oh she would have died and i would have uh i would have taken my complaint straight to terry metallis how dare you sir because she's precious i don't want anything to happen to sydney laforge right so um you know so i mean that is but uh, but again, I guess you know that's how these shows go, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we'll we'll find out hopefully later that it, there was a reason for it. I th- um, I think there will be a reason for it, and I think it'll be the kind of thing that when you watch it the second time, it'll be right there in your face from from episode one. Okay, all right. You know, I, I all trust right. these that, guys to do that. All right. Well, and and you know what <laughs> they're. I, I I am I am going out on a limb by saying they are earning that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, how how are we feeling about the apparent budding romance hinted at, at here between Jack and Sydney? Does it feel okay or is it too much? Uh, Kyle, what what are you thinking? I like it. Uh, I think Terry Metellus on Twitter called it La Crush. Or some, uh, he's borrowing language from somebody else. Called it La Crush. Nice. I think it's nice. I liked it. It felt organic. The last episode, this this episode, you've entered the awkward phase. You know, he touched mm-hmm. her hand after she thought it, and then she's like, "Why'd you do that?" I'm like, "Here we are. This feels like every bar I've been in." Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I think that's it's endearing. Um, I hope that these characters live so that we can see them keep doing this in a future season somewhere. Hmm. Ty, what about you? How do you like La Crush? I mean, I like, you know, I like both characters. I think they're both charming. I think Sydney's cute. Uh, so, like, that's nice. Yeah, the hand, like, brushing awkwardness uh, was, like, believable. But, like, uh, I'm, like, so on the opposite side of you guys. Like, I hope I'm wrong. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't want this to be the case, but I am just still worried that we're going to like a dumb place with Jack that will make me uh, <laughs> not care about him. Um, it will make me question the whole season retroactively. Um, and I hope I'm wrong about that, but like I texted you Cicero and I, I like, <clears throat> I can't shake this fear that Jack is going to somehow be uh, like his crush on Sydney is going to be like an important part of reconnecting him to like his humanity. Like, Oh, I just, I felt something for you. And that's what, that's what brought me back. You know, that's what allowed me to rediscover who I am and not like, you know, fulfill my mission of being a genetically engineered sleeper agent to whatever, whatever, like, 
I just like I want to be wrong, but I don't like I don't know. Like this season is cool, but like yo, season two was like crazy. Like I just I'm not ready to be like yeah. I think it's really gonna work out great. Like I'm much more ready to be like you, you still have PTSD, <laughs> I, don't you? Yeah. I, just, I just like I need this Jack stuff to like not be dumb and like it's not conclusively not dumb yet. So like that, I don't know. That's where I'm at. <laughs> So yeah, and I, I I completely understand that because it we're we're sitting here and you know we're spending a lot of time again we're spending a lot of time with characters and talking about right like this entire segment that we're talking about is about two characters that are not part of that original crew right so these are not people that we have spent twenty years learning and loving and living with um, or 30 years uh, doing those things. These are guys that are going to exist presumably for a few more episodes and that's it. So if we're spending our time with these characters, then it's got to mean, it's got to mean more than the time that we could have been spending with Picard and Data and LaForge and, you know, and, and Worf and, and Riker. Yeah. Dude. Right. Yeah. It's, and it's not just about Picard for me. I'm also thinking about discovery where they cram stuff in to the very, right. very, very end of the season. Um, and I just like, don't like uh, at the risk of jumping ahead a little bit, do you guys at the very end of the episode, it's like, the cliffhanger is like Vedic knows what's up with Jack and she's going to tell us, right? Like, do you think right. that's going to happen at the beginning? Like, do you think we're going to get time continuity and like that will be revealed at the beginning or, or like sometime in the next episode? Because I just have this, like, again, I'm, I, I, no. I'm like totally not trying to crap on the show. Like I hope right. I'm wrong, but like, we're, I, like I just can't see it. Like we're going to shift I, completely. Like the episode's going to be on Riker for 20 minutes or something. Well, the, like, actually the, the, the production stills have come out. You do see a lot of Troy and Riker. So we're, we're probably going to hmm. spend some time on the other ship. But my, my feeling, my instinct is that the way that Metallus et al, his whole peep, his whole team have been handling the, reveals the plot development they're they're not they're not hiding anything like massive except for jack's like true nature anything that the audience has had a question on they've resolved it really quickly remember the whole thing with picard and Riker and how unnatural that felt top of the next episode done right apology right right up front like they they've been playing it that that tight i think whatever vatic's gonna say i think we're gonna get in this episode coming up and i think we're gonna get pretty pretty quick and it's probably going to not solve anything. It's going to be like another big question, you know, because I bet Vatic doesn't understand everything because her handler is probably the one who understands everything about Jack. He's the one who wants Jack. Vatic's just a mercenary, right? So right. Vatic will say what she knows and it still won't be the full answer. But I trust, I trust Metallus to develop, you know, his people. It's a bunch of writers. It's not just him. Because this is nothing like season two, man. This is nothing like season two. It, it's felt almost... What's the word? How do I say this without getting fired? Professional? <laughs> <laughs> Season two is hard, man. That, I, I understand your PTSD, sir. I really, really do. Right. It, it was it, it, Season two was especially hard during watching it while it was happening because you were still trying to make sense of what it was that you were watching. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the, you know, like someone... Someone took the time to create this story, 
Mm-hmm. So it's got to go somewhere, and you. It didn't really. It it didn't right, and um, it, well, it actually it just went everywhere, right? Yeah. Like it just it was too and, it was too big, yeah. too wide ranging, too stylistic. Right. The right. this this whole season has been so well done on story and plot on the whole that when they show me Jack and uh, Sydney in a turbulence, I trust them. Like there's, it's not just there for a future plot reveal or point. I, I think it feels like an organic moment with the characters too. And the fact that it's playing for both is a, a strength and a credit to the writers that developed the season. This is, this season is light years ahead of the rest of the rest of the show. And in my opinion, a lot of discovery too. Right. Well, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I definitely, definitely agree with you when it, when it comes to, this is the best season of Picard so far. Um, and, um, you know, but, but again, I, I still will say, uh, as, as someone who has suffered through two seasons of Picard already, um, I, you know, I am withholding my judgment. I am still bracing for, you know, for the landing. So I'm I'm waiting for the landing to be stuck before I can, you know, let out a sigh of relief. It's a PTSD, Picard traumatic stress disorder. Yes, exactly. Well, uh, let's move. Let's move on with more of the plot uh, that made us feel good. Uh, Picard and Beverly interrogate Vatic in the trap. Vatic reveals she was one of ten changelings whom Starfleet doctors torturously experimented on to develop a breed of super spies for a program called Project Proteus, while the Dominion War was still taking place. Upon their escape. She swore revenge and formed the rogue changeling faction, taking her torturous form to remind herself of her hate, as Picard said. Uh, during the interrogation, both Picard and Vatic are wrong when they say how the changeling virus cure made it to the Great Lake. Picard says Starfleet delivered it to them, and Vatic says that one of her own kind stole it. Neither perspective is totally correct. What does that misunderstanding say about this conflict? Uh, Ty? I'll, yeah, I think <clears throat> this is like what I was referring to kind of right, earlier right. in the episode, right? Like with the thing right. with Cisco not being able to connect um, and create that understanding. And I think it's just a cool, different kind of conflict. Like the Borg are cool because they're kind of faceless and like, you know, they make you ask questions about humanity and like they make you really like look within yourself um, to sort of like uh you know identify that conflict and and like um i don't know this is just like a completely different thing like where it really does feel like it's it's not like the the war seems like equally uh the fault of both sides but there is just like a different level of yeah, it's just a very different thing fighting a faceless, like pretty much purely evil enemy that's out to do nothing but dominate versus this enemy that is like I was talking about earlier, like they really are like I don't know, they're the opposite of a faceless, like they have a lot of like pathos and you know, like a lot of like feelings going on in that great link. Um and it's just like a totally different thing. And so I just I just really like exploring that like um something that i always really felt was like picard like tng picard's specialty of like how can we always try and de-escalate like how can we always try and choose love and choose like hope um even when it's not clear how like that's gonna work out logistically or like even when it seems like maybe we're kicking the can down the road by doing that 
right? Like it's, it's worth doing. Um, even if you're just like putting off war for another week, um, and maybe you're even putting yourself in a worse position when that war comes. Um, but that's like, not, uh, doesn't seem like that's what we're doing. Like that's not the, quite the idealistic Starfleet that we seem to be dealing with when it comes to the changelings. And so just like watching an enemy push humanity to do things, not to this faceless robo enemy, but like, um, to do things to like other like thinking, feeling creatures. Uh, yeah, it's just a really different perspective on like conflict and it's like, yeah, boy, it's like a new side of Star Trek for me. You know what I mean? It's really mm-hmm. like just exploring like this kind of uh, like dark side, so to speak, like this more nuanced, uh, <coughs> yeah, a lot murkier waters. And it's just super interesting. Sounds like you got right, quarters yeah. on the space station. You're, you're in. <laughs> you are in, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. DS9, DS9 makes it uh, far more believable that a section 31 could exist um you know mm-hmm. just just from just from 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 the ten you know from the tenor of, of the yeah show. like i wouldn't uh, have believed any of this experiment like the, the the starfleet that i knew from watching tng i would have been like what right. you're right. like going around, like who are these people like why are you doing these crazy <laughs> experiments but like after what i'm like okay like i get i get it you know what i mean like it's an organization made up of i said humankind earlier like it's beyond that but of, of like people you know what i mean whether they're humans right, or right. vulcans right. or whatever but like they're, right. they're people you know and right. people aren't as like uh, clear cut as they're like maybe depicted a lot of the time on tng <clears throat> true that true that kyle uh what what was your impression of this conflict and 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 misunderstanding of of facts i guess I think it was one of the most perfect things we've seen in Picard season three so far, because like you, Ty, you, you brought up the Borg. The Borg are a faceless robo enemy. As you said, uh, they are a toaster that will not turn off. And there's only so many ways you can deal with that. Blunt force trauma works. Uh, concussive percussive maintenance works. Uh, being really clever about how to snip the cord works. There's no reasoning with them, right? With the Dominion, in my opinion, they are kind of the perfect foil to the Federation. They are a imperial society filled with many different kinds of races and ideas, but they're ideologically opposed. It's like the Cold War, like the Russia, Soviets versus the United States. Like we were able to prick each other in just the most excruciating ways because we were so evenly matched and because we were so completely ideologically separate. And so like having Vatic and Picard represent the both sides, a misunderstanding of what actually happened in Thai, I promise I'm going to try to avoid spoiling what actually happened, but they're both wrong. And the fact that they're misunderstanding each other aligns to their ideological beliefs. I think like this conversation they had with her is like, an encapsulation of why the Dominion were such an amazing threat on DS9. Starfleet took a lot of risks and, and crossed several, several lines in DS9 because they could not just simply go toe-to-toe with the Dominion without worrying that it would end it all. Like, for Starfleet, it was, the Dominion War was an existential situation. And, like, that's the reason everyone's reacting to the Changelings so strongly. The, the Borg don't really have an ideology. They do, but it's not... It's not like a counterpart to the Federation exactly, but the Dominion really are. It's like a Federation in an alternate universe or something. 
it's like a stronger version of the mirror universe. And so like this conversation had all of that, that, that style of conflict perfectly encapsulated in a single conversation. You understand who the Dominion are against Starfleet. You understand why the Starfleet took, did the evils it did all from that conversation. They both distrust each other hugely. How do you get past that? I don't know. Are they going to resolve it in this season? Because if both sides learn the truth of what actually happened with the cure, would would the aggression end? Would it change Vatic's perspective on what she's doing? I don't know. I feel like it might. Uh, yeah, I. You know what? I don't think that it would. Um, I, so, so my feelings on on that particular conflict, I, I think that message right there was one of the most real things that Star Trek has ever done, from my perspective, because because what it was showing was just how differently two groups can view the same situation. Right. Right. And, and, um, and it's, you know, and it's, it's not even a matter of perspective. It's a matter of spin, right? Because you're, you're spinning the story in, in a way that makes that confirms who you are, right? Or who we are. So when you're telling the history from the perspective of the changeling, you're you're going to spin it so that the changeling in that story is the hero. And if you're spinning it from the perspective of Starfleet, you're going to spin that that narrative so that Starfleet is the hero in in that story. And that is that is the most human thing that we've that that in how stories are told geopolitically and mm-hmm. you know in the tw- late 20th and 21st century that i've ever seen in 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 star trek um so i really really appreciated that and and that that nuance was was explored um within within this within this uh this scene just a just a side note i think i was texting chris clow earlier in the week about the this parallel to the vietnam war so the u.s Mm. we call it the vietnam war globally it's the second indochina war but the vietnamese call it like the war the defense war against u.s aggression right who's right 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 yes yes uh very well said, sir. Um, th- this is so. There is a, a a pretty deep lore connection uh, for Vatic, but it also explains why she feels so strongly about th- opposing the Federation. How are we feeling about Vatic's development so far, and this particular, this particularly intense part of her backstory? Uh, Ty, I'll start. I'll start with you. Yeah, I thought this part of the episode was like really, really powerful and effective. I thought it maybe stretched uh, maybe a few seconds too long um, and maybe uh, like, I don't know. I felt like there was a lot of tasering involved in their like test program. Like they were like, oh, let's taser the goo again. Like, and right. like I don't know. Don't you want to try like maybe mixing it with like some different concentrations of solution? And it was like. No, we've got tasering and scraping to do. So, <laughs> like, that was weird. But again, uh, super effective. And, like, just like what we were talking to you earlier about, like, the, you know, like, basically the Dominion pushing um, the Federation to, like, be this gross, like, worst version of itself, right? Like, 
there's no more plausible situation for that type of experimentation to happen than a war that is perceived as an existential threat. Like if you, you know, if you read any book like that, you know, that's totally like well within the bounds of like plausibility, even for um, an organization that has been made out to be like very moral good and, and altruistic and stuff like that um, to like kind of its very core. Um, and like you said, Cicero, like you could really see like the connections between like this war that they experienced and section 31 um, totally makes sense. Uh, I think this, this, this episode did wonders for Vatic for me. Um, I was kind of not super interested. You know, I thought she was fine, but maybe not like hitting as well as they wanted her to for me until this episode, um, which I just thought was uh, really incredibly powerful. And I think that the conversation and decision that Picard and, and Beverly make um, is just like, this is what I was alluding to earlier. Like this was the conversation that needed the room in this episode of like getting some people off the screen, right? Like we don't have time for Worf and Raffi and, and, and Riker in this episode because this conversation with, uh, Jean-Luc and Beverly and Vatic was like kind of the core of it for me. And I think it's cool. Like you brought up like the Vietnam war, right? Like it's like Picard is now this guy who think about the last few times we've seen him interact with Starfleet. Like he's getting told no, like he's getting told off by admirals. They're just like, who do you think you are coming in here and asking for a ship? Like they're not helping him out with like the evacuation of like these planets in need. Like, you know, he's almost like persona non grata, like at times with like, he knows that they are not actually in reality, like who they say that they are on paper, like what their founding documents claim that they are sound familiar. Anybody, but like, you know, and it's just like, yeah, it's, and, and, and so it made that decision that him and, and Crusher come to like even more agonizing, right? It's like, he knows Vatic has a point. He might not have believed that Vatic had a point 20 years ago, but he knows now that like, this is plausible. And like Beverly like confirms it, I think. Right. But like, and it just makes it even more. And he's like, but we have our backs up against the wall and this is what we have to do. We cannot think of another way out. And it was just like, oh, crushing, right? Like what a dagger blow. Like the, the card that we know, like, you know, that, that would have fought heart and soul to make any other decision other than this. Um, and he knows he's not on the side of like the righteous good all the time, but like, Ah, sometimes you got to kill a changeling in a trap. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you do. They get in the house. You got to put an animal trap on. Right. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, so I, I, I think for me, this this particular um, backstory part was great. It, it also helped me to understand that that Vatic's a true believer. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's that her her feelings about this are are, you know, to her core. Right. This is this is uh, a, a a transformational portion of who she is and the foundational portion of who she is. And um, so her feelings about the Federation are are definite. What I'm confused about, what I'm hoping to get some clarity on is what is her beef with Jean-Luc Picard specifically 
uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Picard. Uh, Picard. Um, specifically. So because that doesn't seem to gel with, because she seems to have a, a level of disdain for Picard that, that is equal to her level of disdain for Starfleet. And I don't, we, you know, we got the explanation in this particular episode of what, what her disdain for star, you know, what is driving her disdain for Starfleet, but we did not get um, an explanation of what is driving her disdain for Picard. So I'm hoping we get that at some point. Um, So, uh, obviously we don't know very much about who's pulling Vatic strings, but uh, how are we feeling about the way that Vatic stacks up against other Trek villains so far? Uh, Kyle, mm-hmm. I'll start with you. Hmm. I, she, for me, she earned uh, most of her villain wings in this episode. She was mm-hmm. much too mustache twirly for me previously. She spent a lot of time chewing scenery uh, in a way that her dad did in Star Trek Six, but maybe a little bit too much. I don't know. She was very, like the mustache was like nice, clean tendril, like perfectly <laughs> twisted. It was like, she's been working on that twirl. This episode, she's she like smoking these big, like roll your own cigarettes or something. I don't know what was up with that. <laughs> I don't know I if that's, I don't know if a changeling can get lung cancer, but she's well on her way. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I know smoke looks good on camera, uh, but now that we've understood her backstory and it touches very believably on the whole addition to the universe that DS9 gave us about Section 31. By the way, I'm very happy that Section 31 is the bad guy now. Again, I don't let's stop playing with that if we can. Um, <laughs> I think that she's stacking up pretty damn well. I mean, she's uh, uh, she's no con. She's no Goldicott. But she's very much several stories or several rungs of the ladder above, like Tomalak, or <laughs> or uh, the dude who tried to collect data once. You know, like she's she's scary, man. Like she's legitimately scary. And Amanda Plummer is like just she's leaning into it in a very delicious way. In this episode, she sold me. Ty, are you equally buying what Vatic was selling? In this episode, yeah. Sorry, I keep get, I'm distracted because every time you guys mention Khan, you always mention Goldicott, and it trips me out. And I, yeah, um, you're gonna love it. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of to say about like you know her place in the pantheon or whatever, but I would agree that this episode really elevated her. I mean, I think the who's pulling the strings question is pretty key for me because you can have like a really cool enforcer, but that's different than a really cool mastermind and she seems like the former um so Mm. like that's that's neat and maybe that gets it actually what i'm like uh like i I guess i'm worried that the mastermind might not be very interesting you know what i mean um but 
she's really yeah like she's won me over like it wasn't super working for me before i was kind of making fun of her remember like her ship was just like a big reaper ship and like um but yeah i think it's cool like it's become this like oh no the shrike is back like it's this recognizable ship um and i don't know these these like goon squad that she has are super weird but like yeah i'm I'm coming around to all of them it's like yeah you uh Right, uh, Ty, you, you, Ty, you're talking about the the bosses. Uh, reminds me, in you know, the Force Awakens, Kylo Ren was taking his orders from from Snoke. You know, whatever whatever his you know platitude was, his rank was Snoke. And then we're you know we're trying to figure out who he is. But then when we get to the next the next uh, movie, he's dead. He's gone with, you know, with very little fanfare. Uh, so who's the, so who's the face? Palpatine? Right. Somehow I don't Palpatine know. Palpatine returned. Yeah. You know, no, the, what, so when right. she cuts off her hand and the face appears. Right. Like that's, right. The, uh, well, that's what we're talking about, right? Like. Uh, right, right, right. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's her Snoke, but I don't, I'm hoping it's not like a Snoke where, where. No. We we find out like oh yeah it doesn't you know it really doesn't matter who the no. mastermind is the mastermind has to matter it has to matter it has to matter. and it's somebody we know otherwise we would have found out who it was by now we, it would have been Vatic right 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 so yeah. they're hiding yeah. it from Agreed. us for a reason I, I still Agreed. think my money's still on Goldicott Goldicott yeah it's that's that's big. That's big. So you think this whole so, season of that was sold right. as a reunion tour is riding on a revelation from a different show? I don't think so. Right. Dude, this right. is that- DS9 season 8, TNG season 8, and now we got Voyager season 8. They're, they're putting, this is the, all the yeah, 24th no, century. Point. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't the, disagree yeah. with that, but I, I like hmm. – Hmm. It's a long shot, I know, but there's but so, they've given us nothing so far. We we don't know other apart from that. It's I agree been, that it so, has to be somebody that we know at this point, but like that's that's the that's the issue, right? Like I can spin the wheel, and no matter where mm-hmm. it lands, I'm like, I don't know about that. You know what? It's got to <laughs> right. be Tomalock, right? It's that Romulan guy. Right. <laughs> He's back from the well, dead. Well, well, the 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 uh, on Twitter, Terry Metalis said that the final episode. It's called the Last Generation, uh, and for uh, reasons that will become obvious, uh, is the rest of the tweet. So, Kyle, I don't think you're, I don't think you're the far Jedi? off. The no, no, the Last Generation. Oh, is sorry. What the is is the last is the final episode is the title of the final Very episode original. of of season three of of Picard. So. Um, I don't think that it's far off to say that this is season eight for the 24th century Star Trek shows and that we are getting uh, a a somewhat of a conclusion to all three of those shows in the, in this one show, hmm. even if not everyone shows up. So if that's the case, it is quite possible and maybe even probable that our our big big bad is the biggest bad in the history of of 
Star Trek <laughs> Listen, they, 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 they solve the situation, final episode, everyone rides off in the sunset, roll credits, post-credits scene. Tuvok is still in the closet, and then they close the chapter in the 24th century. You know, right, right. Leave him in the closet. <laughs> what if, what if, what if the prophet opens the closet door and offers him a hand? That is not linear, sir. <laughs> the prophet, uh, the prophet exists outside of time. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So that is that is our that is our crazy tangent. But it is a it is a wild thing to think about that the that the right the conclusion of or that the big bad for season three of Picard about the TNG crew is a villain from a different completely different show. It's Armus. Um you you look like Ty, <laughs> you look like you had some kind of revelation there. Did something come to you? Did you figure it out? No, not at all. I just like I was well my, I was visually freaking out because you meant you the gold cot thing again. Like I gotta finish watching right. Deep Space Nine. <laughs> you got to, man. <laughs> just like like full disclosure like okay, you guys are gonna like I think it might be hard for you not to respond to this, but like the point I'm at, I'm like, like he's like Quark. Get him out of Goldicott kind of sucks, but like sometimes he can be pretty cool and like he's growing, you know what I mean? And like he's kind of so like, (laughs) holy shit, you guys. Like, dude, right. Listen, man, nobody plays the long game. Star Trek villains. It's, it's, you guys do this exact same thing. It's Khan and Goldicott in the same breath. And right Mm -hmm. now, I like have no idea what you're talking (laughs) about. I envy you, sir. I envy you. Yeah, it is, it is amazing. Nobody played the long game like Goldicott. Oh, my God. Nobody (laughs) played the long game. And he gets more complex until the end. But maybe not. Who knows? We can't like, talk about knows? it now. Maybe. But I would, oh, lo- I would love to oh have that gosh. conversation because Ty's got to finish watching yes. it. But I think it's utterly justified. Ty may ha- hate oh, it or love wow. it. We should, when he finishes, yeah. we should have that conversation because, like, yes, there's a lot to Absolutely. Unpack. Biggest absolutely. conflict in there that show so right much. now is the zany hijinks of uh, Major Kira carrying uh, Keiko and Miles's baby. So. <laughs> 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 Oh yeah, thank you, Alexander. Oh, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh, what what a what a great time! I love the show. All right, uh, let's move on with the the final bit of the plot. Uh, Beverly confirms that experiments that uh, Beverly confirms the experiment's existence. Picard realizes he has to kill Vatic, but Geordi fails to revive Data in time to stop Lore from taking over the Titans' computers and disabling the force fields, allowing Vatic to escape, storm the Titans' bridge, and announce she knows Jack's true nature. Brent Spiner is at full spinery yes. strength in this episode, shifting between the personalities of Data and Lore. We, of course, haven't seen Lore since Descent Part 2, the seventh season premiere of TNG, and he definitely operates at a trickster as a trickster in this episode. Mm. What do we think of Laura in this episode? Do you buy his willingness to allow the changelings to take over? Ty, I'll, I'll talk to you as someone who's probably seen Laura the most recent out of out of the rest of us. Unless I, I don't uh, know, does it matter? Is this a hot take? Like his dumb, like 
he's a cartoon <laughs> villain. Like, what is his motivation? He's just like, I don't like you guys, and I don't like when things go well for people. So screw you. Like, okay, <laughs> like it's not, it's not wrong. And I were just sitting there watching him snap back and forth between data. It's like I knew you could act. Like I don't, I don't know. It was like not time well spent, in my opinion. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. That's a that's a great perspective. Kyle, what about you? Did you enjoy it? My my take is lukewarm, not hot, but uh <clears throat> it was a mistake. Well, they didn't have a choice but to take him. They ha- he had the manifest, they had to take him, but like he's a can of worms that's now opening and of course lore is completely unpredictable. He's the trickster crow, the trickster raven from from western native mythologies. Um <laughs> I liked Brent Spiner playing him. This was he was a little bit less lore than previously. Like lore can be very mustache twirly. <laughs> um, but I tell you, man, it was worth it to get Lavar Burton at that window. Yeah, you, right. you made the you made me a better man speech that we didn't get yeah. in Nemesis. I right. I think it might have been even, and this has been a really good episode. This is a real interesting high point. It was like, you broke me, but then the memory of you is what helped me, right? Like something along those lines is like, yeah, 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 yeah. What helped me, you know, like, it's like he did the whole like, oh, but what would Data have wanted? And he like took that and he like used that to climb. And that was just like, man, yeah, he said a lot in that short scene. And it was, yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, man. LeVar Burton not only can kill it, but like. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was twenty twenty years of pent up like fan energy yeah. too. Like he he sort of represented us there. Anyone who was felt wronged by how Nemesis ended, like this was where you get some closure for that. This was the scene that kind of closed the book on Nemesis in a sense. It, it was something, man. Yeah, it was. Um, so at the end of season one, or towards the end of season one of Picard, um, Chris said that this ending this that that death scene um with for data where data makes a sacrifice for Picard um that scene was the proper send off for Brent Spiner and and it really um you know justified bringing Brent Spiner back bringing data back um and you know kind of breaking the canon in in that way uh from from Nemesis um and we we talked about earlier in this season why bring you know why bring data back um you know you keep bringing data back but i think this scene was the justification for bringing him back because mm-hmm. while it was while it was important for and and um you know no one denies the the relationship that um that that picard had with data with mr data um, that it was a great relationship, but Jordy yeah. and Data were brothers, right? Like that yeah. was the closest 100%. relationship, right? Between between Data and any other character, it was those two, and yeah. having that be left being unresolved was was kind of a crime from you know Picard season one or from Star Trek from mm-hmm. from TNG. In, in, you know, on, on mass, and being able to re- resolve that and rectify that, but also to have this performance and also to to add that extra piece of it, 
um, where where Jordy not only gets to say goodbye to his friends, gets to say hello to his friend, but gets to to show his friend what that that friendship, what that love, what that relationship meant to him, and how he was able to channel that into something that uh, that ultimately he can be proud of, a legacy that he can that he has has given and has grace as a result of being being brothers with this with this being mm. um and that was that was yeah it was beautiful to see that was a great scene uh in an episode full of great scenes mm-hmm. yeah I, I i really enjoyed it um back to jack um w- what the hell is going on with Jack? <clears throat> Telepathy, hallucinations, visions, and things seem to be moving in a different direction than our panel may have previously theorized. Is this coming together in an interesting way? Are we going to be in for misdirection up until the final moments of the season? Um, Ty, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's more going to be the misdirection until the final moments of the season uh, avenue. Uh, I thought when we were first getting introduced to Jack, there seemed to be some interesting possibilities about his nature. And like, in my eyes, it feels like the, it's kind of narrowing down to some options that seem uh, to me personally, maybe a little less interesting. Um, So I don't know. I would really, really love some answers uh, like soon, right? Like he seems to be the point of the season um, and I just like, don't, to me, I don't love Star Trek the most when it waits, you know, nine hours to get to the point. And then there's, there's one hour, uh, of an episode where we finally get there. You know what I mean? Like, I just, um, I'm watching deep space nine. They're like 25 episode seasons, man. It's not, <laughs> it's not enough. You know, like even if the, the right. end is, is amazing. It's kind of like, okay, I think we could have, um, we'll see, you know, I, I, I do agree. The season's been great so far, but I don't know. It's not, it's not clearly coming together in a way. Uh, I don't know. I'm less optimistic than Kyle, but I hope I'm wrong. Kyle, do you, do you still have that optimism even for Jack? I, I do. And not because I like Jack or don't like Jack. I like him. He's interesting to me now. I didn't like him when we first saw him. He was an impediment when we first saw him. Now he, now he's synergistically coming in with the story and everything. But I've got hope it'll turn out okay. Um, because the the way all of the other smaller details have been handled by the, the people running this season. You know, they could have, like, and I love the first season of Discovery uh, probably the most out of any of the discovery seasons, but there's a still a triple sitting on Captain Lorca's desk blatantly, and no one said. And it's like the writers are just looking you right in the face and saying, "Look, it's a triple." Handled very poorly, in my opinion. This whole season, even the really obvious stuff, they've managed to tie in these kinds of things to character or into story well enough that at this point, if they if Jack turns out to be a Canadian geese and that's the true villain of the Star Trek franchise, I would probably buy it. Like they just, <laughs> they've treated the season with such respect so far. that I'm like, well, I, I don't, I don't distrust that they're going to not make the landing. I think they're going to make the landing. And I think Jack's questions are very interesting. He's telepathic. He's not just Beverly Crusher's son. 
like the way Vedic is talking, like he's he's part something else. What happened? No clue. He can do the like the shadow dancing with Sydney. He's telepathic. He's got red eyes. He can hear people's thoughts. Like there's all these pieces. Nothing is there's a thread there that is not connected to anything. And like of course it feels there's a tension. Like we want to know. Of course we do. And any good storyteller is going to wait to the last possible moment to tell you, and then you, the tension is going to explode. Especially if they if they stick the landing, some of us are going to jump off our couches. I think. And I, I just. Terry Metalis at all have treated me very well this season. I think I think it's going to be okay. Okay, all right. Well, uh, you you know, so I'm not going to spend my time talking about Jack. Um, I'm going to spend my time going back a second to talk about the scene with Vatic, John Luke, and uh, Beverly. Yes, uh, because I think by the time we get to this, the end of this season that particular scene is going to play out a little bit differently because I still am firm in my belief that the Beverly Crusher that we've been with this season is not actually Beverly Crusher. So there, so in that scene, I believe we have Jean-Luc Picard, the Gollum, Vatic, the changeling, uh, the, the, the Vatic, the changeling, uh, "Quote unquote terrorist, renegade change, and and, and 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 yeah, right. And then and then we and then we had Beverly Crusher, changeling from the Great Link that is trying to maintain the peace, and and all of these all all of those parties." were represented right in that particular moment. So we had Starfleet in the form of Picard. We had the, the changelings that have accepted the armistice in the form of Beverly Crusher and the changelings that are, that are, you know, out there trying to fight for freedom and revenge in the form of Vatic, um, you know, that, that were experimented upon. And, and so that dynamic was all represented. So like, you know, so is you know all sides of the Dominion War hmm. um, being represented in in that particular moment. So that is that is me making that speculation. We will see if that speculation turns out so, to be correct. Ty Ty seems uh, to have. I just think the only way this works is if like Patrick Stewart himself, like right before their first sessions talking about like rough plot outlines for this season, like <laughs> watch deep space nine and was super, super, super into it. Like everything, like, I don't know. It's a cool, what you're saying is like a cool follow-up to deep space nine. And I, I just think that would be a bizarre <laughs> way for Picard season three, the one that they lured in all the TNG fans with promises of like the TNG crew doing TNGs. I just think that would be so odd, but like uh, it's possible. Uh, it feels strange, but yeah. I mean, anything's possible and we don't know where it's going and I don't buy it except, okay. Except Cicero to your credit. When Vanek is talking to Beverly directly in that interrogation scene. And she says, he doesn't belong to you either. What does that mean? Does Vatic know she's a changeling? I don't know. Why not expose her? Give her a strategic advantage? Like, but that the way she said that was like, what don't we know? So, I mean, I don't know. Right. You you could be onto something, man. Right. Yeah. So, and uh, the other thing that I want to make mention of 
is my heart almost stopped during the course of this episode at the end because when Vatican company stormed the bridge, Vatic happens to be on the turbo lift with Captain Liam Shaw. And we see Liam Shaw get kicked out of that turbo lift onto the bridge, bloodied, bruised, and not moving. Um, and it seemed like for maybe a tenth of a second that m- they might have killed <laughs> Captain Shaw. <laughs> And I was terrified. But then I said, of course, they wouldn't do that. But it would make total sense, right? Why would Vatic save them? Yeah. Why would she Why would she spare him um, if she's taking over the ship anyway? Get rid of the captain. That, that, that way, you don't have somebody to try and inspire an insurrection. Um, but they, but they kept them alive. Captain Shaw is okay. Um, so we can, so we can live the fight and, and right. And, uh, refute on an, another day. Um, but overall, I thought it was a great episode. Uh, um, I think, uh, Kyle, Kyle watched it three times. He may watch it three more times before the next, before the next one comes out. Uh, Todd, did you enjoy this episode? It's the first episode this season that I have pretty much enjoyed watching start to finish and has kept my attention in a positive way. There were a couple things I that I mentioned that I thought were maybe a little silly, but yeah, I, there was, um, it was, we're on the right track. All right. Well, to uh, something terrible yeah. at the end, but the, the right. track is, you know, it's a fun ride. All right. Well, uh, I mean, that's a great thing. Great thing about tracks is uh, we pull up to the next station and the and the final station on our show is this one. It's pedantic continuity time. <laughs> I got to ask, whose voice is that? Uh, that's, I think that's Rachel's. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> so, um, it, well, pedantic continuity time, uh, usually from the fine editors at Memory Alpha, um, but the Memory Alpha editors were asleep at the wheel. So these points come from our own uh, Memory Alpha, Chris Clow. So uh, when waking up in sickbay, Data notices he's not aboard the Enterprise and asks about the scimitar. Conceivably, this backup of Data has not been aware of himself or at least his surroundings since downloading into B4 during the events of Star Trek Nemesis, where the backup occurred aboard the Enterprise-E sickbay across from the scimitar in orbit above Romulus. Um, The... Chintoka Scrapyard is apparently sourced from ships that fought in several skirmishes across the Chintoka system in the final months of the Dominion War. Spoiler. The Federation Alliance. Yes, right. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, The Federation Alliance initially took the system from the Dominion in DS9 Season 7's The Changing Face of Evil, but then lost it back to them. And then and the Breen later in, in the season in both The Changing Face of Evil. And when it rains. 
The system was also the site of the heartbreaking events of the siege of AR-558. You ought to just take the headphones off, Todd, for a second. Right, we'll right, wave at you. Spoiler. Where Nog was injured. Nog. Spoilers for anyone done, watching. Nog, maybe Why? Why? <laughs> Spoilers for DS9 for anyone who is watching it. Um, <laughs> here's here's uh, more spoilery stuff. Uh, Project Proteus, which consisted of the experimentation of the captured founders appears to have been performed under the auspices of section 31 if that is indeed the case then the project may have been given the go-ahead by luther sloan the contemporaneous operative of the organization up to and during the dominion war that bastard yes when you have a baby uh, and, finally, and you name them Luther Sloan, you're setting a clear path in life <laughs> for them. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Villainous. Uh, finally, this is the second time in as many episodes that Admiral Catherine Janeway has been name dropped. Mm. All right. Well, uh, Kyle, thank you so much for taking your time to join us again. Um, My pleasure. Once more. Absolutely. Where where can people interface with your work? Uh, Trexpertise.com, Soul 3, the Soul System, the Western Arm of the Milky Way Galaxy. All right. Uh, we'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> well, that's it for episode 91 of Discovery Debrief. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please like and follow us on our social media channels. If you'd be so kind, we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show wherever you found it. It only takes a minute. And let us know you if you wrote one, and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at DSC Debrief, and feel free to send us questions through Twitter or by emailing us at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes and be sure to join us next time as we discuss the next adventure of our friends from the Enterprise DE. As always, though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. Mm-hmm.